Welcome to the Rapid Response RN Podcast, helping you keep your finger on the pulse of your patient's condition with real-life stories from the front lines of nursing. This podcast can help you sharpen your assessment skills, improve your ability to recognize the signs and symptoms of your patient's decline, be inspired to speak up and advocate, and know how to jump into action to promote the best outcome for your patients. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. Today's podcast is going to be a little different. Yes, there will be so much to be learned from the episode, but today we're not focusing as much on the science and pathophysiology that we need to know to be good nurses. Today is about the heart of nursing. And I know so many of my listeners either worked in COVID units or got floated to COVID units, and we all share the trauma of those experiences. So even though I already did an episode on COVID, I think there's still more to be unpacked, more to process, and more to heal from as we emerge from the most recent surge of COVID. I feel strongly that the only way to keep from burning out in nursing is to take time to talk about and process the hard stuff and celebrate the wins and remind ourselves of the human souls that we're touching which eat with each task that we accomplish in our shift. So today I've invited some of my friends who were frontline COVID warriors right alongside me to share their experiences. The good, the bad, and the beautiful. These nurses have been through fire and they have seen so much suffering and pain these last two years. And they've come out the other side, even better nurses. So my hope is that as you hear their stories, you'll find comfort and encouragement in knowing that you're not alone and a sense of pride in the important role that we as nurses play in our patient's journey and strength and courage to keep facing each challenging shift as a nurse. So let me introduce you to these rock stars. So first we have Clayton. Hello. Clayton, can you tell us how long you've been a nurse and what kind of unit you work in? So I've been a nurse for a year and a half, and I work on the med surge pulmonary floor, which is the first stop for COVID okay, patients. COVID. <clears throat> okay, and then you've always worked there, right? Since you became a nurse in school. Yep. So right congratulations, you passed your NCLEX. Welcome to COVID. Right, yep. um, and why nursing, Clayton? What drew you to the profession? So I always wanted to be a nurse growing up, and I always wanted to help people. That was kind of what I wanted to do. Got in high school, kind of second-guessing that. My senior year, my grandma got sick, she had cancer, and I seen the ins and outs of nursing and how it can affect people, and that <laughs> kind of solidified what I wanted to do and told me I was kind of made for it. Oh, I get that 100%. You were definitely made for this, Clayton. You're an awesome nurse. Okay. And then next we have Andy. Um, same question for you. How mm-hmm. long have you been a nurse? What type of unit do you work on? And how did you end up as a nurse? So I've been a nurse now for almost exactly two years. Um, I work in PCU, the progressive uh, care unit, which is the step-down unit for ICU. And um, what brought me to nursing, I would say, is I've always been interested in anatomy and physiology. And I always thought it was neat how that really, you know, never changes, but the way that we treat it does. So what a better profession than nursing to learn more about that and to help people as well. Awesome. You're an amazing nurse, Andy. It's such a pleasure to work with you. And finally, Danielle. Hi. How long have you been a nurse, my friend? 14 years. 14? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And what type of unit do you work on? Why did you decide to become a nurse? Um, I've been in ICU for 14 years now. Um, when I was 15 in high school, we had to get volunteer hours, so I was a candy striper at a hospital down south, okay. and we got to see all the professions, and I absolutely loved nursing. Um, we got to go through Florida's pe- pediatric floor primarily, um, and then we went to an ICU. Um, I applied for nursing school, came up here, um, and worked in the OR, 
And what solidified becoming an ICU nurse was we brought a patient to the ICU from the OR with an open belly, and she was super sick. And the nurses, the camaraderie, the teamwork, just how they were, um, so compassionate, all surrounded that patient. They knew their job. They knew what they were doing. And at that moment, I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. <laughs> so that's why I did it. Yes, you will, for sure. All right. So we've all honestly shared these COVID patients. They might have started on Clayton's floor, and then I got involved. They started requiring more oxygen, so I had to move into Andy's floor for a while for BiPAP, and then to the ICU with Danielle to be intubated, and hopefully back to Andy and Clayton as they recovered. But sadly, the ICU was the last stop for many, many patients before they passed from this earth. And that was really hard. It was hard to lose so many patients that we'd worked so hard to try to heal. So let's talk through that a little bit. As you think over the past two years caring for COVID patients, what will you always remember? Like when you're telling your grandkids about it one day, what would you like, what do you want them to, to know about what it was like to be a nurse in the, the COVID pandemic? I would have to say, I'm always gonna remember the patients, of course, and you're always gonna remember like the trauma and stuff you went through and they went through, but more or less the stories they shared, mm -hmm. the patients did, because you notice that you know, unfortunately, it just seems to happen that when uh, people realize that, you know, wow, I, I might pass in here, they tend to get very personal with you, mm -hmm. and they love to share childhood stories, especially, and their accomplishments, or, you know, dumb things they did as a kid, and you really get to know these people, and um, all their stories are something I'm always going to remember, and uh, make me never forget that, you know, these are not just patients or a number, they're people too with their own stories. And what stories would I share if I were in their spot? Yeah. And I agree with that. You'll always remember your triumphs and your lives lost. Um, it was the most difficult time I've had during nursing. I've seen a lot, but the last two years was definitely devastating. Um, but there were wins that were amazing and that touched your heart and you will always carry that with you. One thing I tell my kids is, don't ever give up. Don't be defeated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't define you. I mean, this period will go. It will come and go. Um, I worked alongside the best nurses, the best team that I possibly could have to get through it, and we never gave up. So just don't give up, no matter what you're feeling like. Um, always reach out to others for help if you need it. Mm -hmm. But surround yourself with people that will support you no matter what. Find an outlet. But, and then carry the wins with you. That's what mm -hmm. we do. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Clayton? What will you always be? What do you want to hold close to your heart? I think the patients viewed nurses as family by the end of this because they didn't have anybody. They couldn't have visitors. Half of them couldn't talk very long because they were on a high demand oxygen. It was like they're saying, the stories were awesome, but they felt there was, it brought patients more close to the nurses, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just remembering like how they look to us as like their hope. I actually mm -hmm. had a patient tell me like, I, I knew I was dying. And so I just looked you in the face and said, here's my life. Like, mm -hmm. if you can fix it, awesome. Do and what if you, you can't, gotta do. Yep. And this is my time to go. Like they just kind of like gave over, you know, surrendered basically to us and what a, uh, what a huge responsibility that is, but also what an honor um, to hold someone's life in your hands and yeah. to to care for it as, as good as you can. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> I know I did. Did any of you guys have like a breaking point or a moment where you felt like you just couldn't keep going, you needed a breather or a break, and 
Uh, if so, like, how did you get through that? Um, so absolutely, there was, you know, a breaking point that I've had, um, but I feel like what honestly helped me through the COVID pandemic, and maybe you too, Clayton, was that, you know, I started nursing at the beginning of COVID, so all I've known is healthcare with COVID. I've never yep. had something to compare it to. Like, I've never worked in healthcare without COVID, yeah. so you hear all these nurses who've been nurses for years be like, oh, you know, well, years ago we did this, or it wasn't like this, this is crazy, so... No, like this is your only, this is your normal. So it makes it, I won't say easier, but that's all you know. So yep. you, how do you, you know. COVID built me as a nurse. Like, exactly. There's, there's no. Right, right. Yeah. And I couldn't even imagine starting as a nurse during COVID mm-hmm. because I knew what it was like before that. Yeah. Delta definitely got you to a point that you felt like you could break. I mean, the first go around, it was like, okay, what is, what's going on? This mm-hmm. is all new to us. Then it got better. And then Delta definitely was I started right before Delta, and that was like my first week as a nurse off orientation. I had seven patients, five of them were actively dying. I didn't know what to do. I was like freaked out, like at at the point of wanting to cry, but I couldn't because I didn't have time. I had so much stuff to do. It was, but after I got over that first couple weeks and kind of got my feet under myself and understood what was going on, what I needed to do what was the next step to do i felt like that just it made me a lot stronger so i haven't had a breaking point since but i also i work my three maybe four days a week and then i take my three or four days off like i don't i don't work i don't overwork myself and i think a lot of nurses are doing that because they feel like we're so understaffed that they have to do that but i think that's making a lot of nurses have the breaking points I know in ICU, I did about five days a week for several weeks, and a lot of times I've always done four, but I know I'm able to compartmentalize a lot, um, but you definitely cry. I cried almost every day. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's sad. Yeah. You've got beautiful stories, and you've got really sad stories, right. and I know my outlet is getting on the boat, getting saltwater therapy, casting a line with my husband, my kids, talking to my mom and my sister and my best friend. I call them with stories. And just cry, and they would just listen and support me, and that's all they could do. But I just know my therapy was water, yeah. and it worked for me. Yeah. yeah, worked for me. Outdoors, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think another thing for me was that you know my wife isn't in healthcare, or a lot of my friends aren't either. So mm-hmm. you know when you talk to somebody about the what your day was like, unless they worked in a COVID unit, I mean of course they're gonna try and hear you out, but they're not going to understand mm-hmm. you know so my outlet was definitely calling fellow nurses after work mm-hmm. um to talk about what we've seen you know when mm-hmm. one of my good friends you know rebecca at work she is very empathetic like i am and we would just talk about for an hour after our shift about <laughs> just the mm-hmm. you know decompress yeah exactly and that mm-hmm. seemed to help a lot because you found someone that really knows what you saw and what you went through and that helps a lot I'll tell you, our chaplains were amazing. They oh, came yeah. and did the blessing of the hands sometimes mm-hmm. before um, shift, and it was beautiful. Man, I can't get through one of those things. I just boom. Oh, right. we all did. <laughs> do that. You're tears falling, but it's beautiful. This is just a reminder beautiful. of like, oh yeah, these hands, they are going to touch so many people today. Like, mm-hmm. what a, 
I mean, it's a heavy weight, but it's also like, man, what a privilege I get to use these to care for the people. But yeah, just like bringing it on back, like, you know, sometimes you get caught in the task of it, like go, 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 intubate, move, transport, intubate, mm-hmm. meds, prone. Like there's so many tasks to do, but then like you look at your hands, like, oh my gosh, God, thank you for these hands. And like, let me use them well today to, right. to serve these patients. I feel like that's the only time I saw you was intubate, move, yeah. intubate, move. Always, always right. And it was always on yeah. the go. Mm-hmm. Definitely a hard season. Yeah. Well, I had several breaking points. I don't know which one I should even talk about. There were several moments <laughs> where I was like, I need a break. I'm crying so hard. Like I remember moments where my mask would be had like a pool of tears in it. I had to be like, I need a break, guys, just so I can go change my mask mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so full of water. I've been crying so hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, like these patients who would see them, at least me, because I saw all three units where I'd meet them in Clayton's unit and I'm like, yes, like maybe this one will recover. And then I'd, okay, well, they're getting a little sicker. Let's take them to Andy's unit. Okay, the, but but Andy, man, she's going to turn them around. Like Andy's an awesome nurse. <laughs> and then, you know, two days later, I'm taking them to Danielle's unit intubated. And just like the the heartbreak of like, oh, I want to turn them around. I want to see, I want to bring them back to their family so badly. Um, especially the ones where I had talked with the family myself on the phone, where I had done the FaceTime and like got to see their faces and how much they wanted um the loved one to come home and then to see them get sicker was just so, so heartbreaking. So yeah, several breaking points. I think, like you said, Andy, um, obviously talk to my family. My husband is a mm-hmm. saint, but he's mm-hmm. not a nurse or at, in healthcare at all. So even just trying to describe what it was like, it's, there's no reference point yeah, no, for that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to see someone who's blue or someone who's dying mm-hmm. or someone who's gasping for air. Like, he might have seen that on the movies, but to actually see that in real life, it's a different mm-hmm. kind of trauma, for sure. Yeah. So, as nurses, we play many roles. Caregiver, cheerleader, coach, teacher, therapist, healer. But one I don't feel we talk about enough is guide. Um, we do guide our patients and their families through whatever healthcare crisis they're facing. You know, we journey with them, we hold their hand, and we help them anticipate and navigate whatever's ahead. So, are there any particular patients or families that were especially difficult or challenging for you um, to journey alongside them, like ones that really hit close to home or weighed heavily on your heart? I will tell you in ICU, the emergency sections, postpartum moms that are going mm-hmm. on ECMO, that some didn't make it, and by the grace of God, some did. That was really hard. That that was very weighed, that weighed on my heart. Um, I know one of my favorite stories is the amazing Henry. Mm-hmm. He... It was our first COVID, our first discharge to rehab, but to see him paralyzed and prone and and then survive it, and we were like, okay, we're going to get ahead of this. We've got a win here. We felt successful, and he's done great. He visits us all the time. That's my buddy. Like We have a great bond. Um, I love that story. I think one that does stick out, we have an ECMO patient that had coded several times, and her son had not seen her yet, and I FaceTimed him. Uh, with the husband and the other son, and he prayed over her. And that's the first time he's seen her, and the words that came out of his mouth were so beautiful. And I'm sitting there bawling, and she had a tear fall down. And it, she heard it, she felt it, and it was beautiful. So moments like that stick with me. Absolutely. How about you guys? We had the couple on the semi-private room together. One was, she was pregnant, and she was doing okay, but he was progressively getting worse. And she was, I think you were there with us mm-hmm. on that one. And she was, she got to stay pretty much just to be with him. And then he went to the PCU, I believe, 
Mm-hmm. And I think she, he almost went to the ICU, but I think he went, uh, wound up going home. He did go home. I remember yeah. him very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So he, it was a husband and wife. She was pregnant, had COVID. Somehow she ended up not being as sick as him. She probably would have been discharged to him, but we kept her in the hospital as a patient so she mm-hmm. could visit him because of the visitation oh. policy. <laughs> so, so they were in a similar pet room together. Um, he just got sicker and sicker and sicker, and he wanted to get better so bad because he had a baby on the way. He was doing everything, like every oh hour of proning. I mean, anything we asked him to do, he was doing. His incentive was stronger, his flutter valve. He was, like, really, really adamant about it. Yeah, but he just got, he got really, really sick. He, he was really close to being intubated, honestly. But he was like, no, like, what can I do? What can I do to get better? Like, okay, we're going to prone you for an hour. We're going to do this to this run. We're going to bitch get you back in bed. Like, he was up for anything. And he did actually recover and go home and get to meet his baby. Yeah, that was a beautiful story. How about you, Andy? Um, So many that I'm trying to think of. But one that really sticks out, I would say, is that we had this one gentleman that he came into our unit, he was on, you know, he had high flow maxed out and it got to the point where he wasn't, he was heading in the wrong direction, we say, like he, then he needed BiPAP continuously and he got to the point at 100% BiPAP where we know intubation is next and um, we kind of already had that deemed in our heads that, okay, that's his plan, we have to get ready for that. Well, somehow, you know, the next couple of days he, he started getting better. He, he got, went down the BiPAP need, he went from the, you know, down to the high flow and then just down to a, you know a regular nasal cannula, and he was doing so well, and it was it was really great because I had a relationship with his kids as far as you know over the phone updating them you know because they couldn't visit at the time of course, and uh, I remember talking to the son about his truck that he was fixing up, and I would ask him you know hey did you get I don't know your alternator fixed or whatever it is, and we would have conversations like that, and I was so happy to give like a good update for once mm-hmm. you know that hey, he's doing better, and because uh, for a while, we had to make those conversations, like, it was three days, he's not getting better, he's going up in oxygen, we have to start thinking, do you want to be intubated, we have to start having this conversation, and I don't know, because you know, with COVID, you, some, they just turn around sometimes, and it's just, mm-hmm. if they respond to treatment, or if they don't, and he did, and it was really, really great to let his kids know that he was going to be coming home, Yeah. so... Yeah, after so many phone calls, having to give bad news. It's like, yes, I have, uh, yes. I have something good it's to like, share. Hold on, celebrate not... those wins. Oh, oh absolutely, yes. I'm not taking lunch. I'm going to take this lunch. Do I call them and talk to them for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and let them know that their yeah. loved one's on the way home? It was really nice. I remember uh, one night coming home from work and crying at the dinner table, telling my family about my day. Like, almost couldn't even get my day out because I was crying so hard. It was a really hard one. Um, that day we actually had lost a friend of mine to COVID, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, intubated so many other, it was just, that was probably like the worst day for me. Uh, and my daughter said, mommy, do you still love being a nurse? Because they all know that I love being a nurse. I responded, absolutely. I love being a nurse. She said, but mommy, you're so tired and it makes you cry. And I gently explained to her that, yeah, I, I do love being a nurse, but it's also really, really hard. And sometimes the things that you love the most, um, can be very hard. Um, and even really sad days can also be very beautiful. So I don't want to say that I like enjoy caring for people who are suffering because that sounds really messed up, but I, I do enjoy being a nurse even on the shifts that make me cry. Like I feel honored to be able to walk with someone through something hard, not because it's like, who fun, but because it feels good to be able to use my skills and my talents and my hands. Uh, to serve someone else. So it's not always about saving someone's life. I mean, that is the goal, but sometimes um, it's just about providing dignity to someone who's passing. Like nursing is raw. 
we see people at their worst, at their most vulnerable. We share space with so much grief um, and fear and anxiety and pain. But sometimes even in all that, there's beauty, you know, even in the sadness. So to see families come together, to see your team rally together, like mm -hmm. you said, um, like, yes, nursing pandemic was in many ways a war zone, but I don't want to just remember like all the terrible parts of COVID because we also got to bear witness to so much beauty in the midst of the saddest. So are there any experiences or encounters with patients or families that um, you want to carry with you? Ones that reminded you of like the why behind why we're fighting so hard for these patients? I'll say I've got a, um, a girl that I'm still close, I, I'm very close with, I keep in touch with, um, but she had a C-section, she was postpartum, and she came up immediately, got intubated and paralyzed and prone, and by the grace of God, she survived that, I think, three days on the vent, and then we were able to get her extubated, and I still keep in touch with her, and I follow her little boy on Facebook, and she brought us gifts and pictures, and that was a beautiful story. There's so many. There's so many FaceTime moments that I've had that I'll carry with me. I loved the fact that we did have the FaceTime, and when it was it was hard that families couldn't be there, but knowing I would call them a few times a day, even if their loved one wasn't doing well, just so they can lay eyes on them and see them, and French braid the hair of the paralyzed girl that's laying on her stomach trying to figure out how to do that. That was fun. Um, and she survived. So there's a lot of wins. There's a lot, a lot to take home with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to, to touch on that, so very similar. I'm still close with somebody that uh, I took care of as a patient, and now we are, you know, uh, friends and keep in close contact outside of uh, work. And she was in our hospital for, oh gosh, I think three or four months. And I mean, she was probably intubated two or three times. Mm -hmm. Um, she, I mean, she would do, she got better and better and better and then would tank and then she would get better and better and better and then next thing go into ICU and then back down to us and, um, she did have two kids, two teenagers that, um, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I can't lo imagine losing my mom as a, as a teenager, you know, so we gotta keep doing, going and, you know, I told her, I was like, yeah. we gotta keep fighting, you gotta keep going, um. And surely enough, I mean, she did. I mean, I can't imagine fighting like she did for four months, but she did it. And she's out of the hospital, um, you know, see her pictures online all the time where she's thriving, you know. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, I can't, you can't help but think back to that person six months ago or however long it was. And I'm just like, wow, like, she did it. Like, and that is something, a win that I will never forget and for her kids, too. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite parts was actually getting to take the patients down to the lobby or wherever they're. East insurance where we're supposed to, to take discharge. them to discharge them yeah. and then they get to see yeah. their family they mm -hmm. haven't seen in a month or mm -hmm. however long it's been. That was something I'll always never take for granted for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It makes you think. You're very grateful. Yeah. I went to rapid response one day on your fourth Clayton and the patient had just gotten sick so fast. And we were all like, okay, we have to intubate this guy. He looks terrible. You know, he's kind of dusky and he's working so hard to breathe and he's like coughing up blood and it was a really like high intense situation and so I mean there was just chaos in the room and so I go up to his face and I was like hey sir I'm Sarah from the rapid response team um it, it's looking like we're gonna have to put a breathing tube in like you've worked really hard you really have but I feel like it's time for us to help you with, with the ventilator and he looks at me like dead in the face and says you can't let me die my daughter gets married this weekend you I have to live. I was like, 
right? We are going to fight for you as hard as we can. Uh, and while he didn't get to go to her wedding that weekend, he did get to walk her down the aisle. And, um, and those pictures were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I still keep in touch will, with his wife. Yeah, so um, I will always hold that with me. But even just like uh, the, the weight of that when someone says, you can't let me die, like don't let me die. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> my, my every intention is to get you back to your family. Um, but it's so hard in the face of that after having lost so many to just mm-hmm. confidently like approach it like we're going to take good care of you we are going to fight for you and like they always tell you nursing school like don't give false hope oh i don't i never say like oh no you're going to live i never say that Mm -hmm. but i will say with full confidence is we will fight for you absolutely Absolutely. i know this team i know andy Mm -hmm. i know danielle i know the messenger's crew like they are amazing nurses we i know we will fight for you so when they say don't let me die or am i gonna die i always just say we are going to fight so hard for you to go home. Mm-hmm. I, I know that with confidence. I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to live, but I know we're going to fight really, right. really hard for you. I know when we had a rapid, there was three rapids at a time on 6 North. And um, your team was awesome, Clayton. But just, you were at one, I was at one, Marissa's at one. I mean, we were all in different rooms. And just the teamwork that took place on that floor definitely shows who we are and why we do what we do. Right. We didn't give up. Yeah, there was no space for like laziness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I gotta go update my Facebook or I gotta. No, go. you got weeded out at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. <laughs> All that's left is like true warriors. I mean, yep. everyone was busting their butts for these patients. Okay, we got a prono. Okay, we got to mm-hmm. teach them this. We got to mm-hmm. like all, everyone was on high alert, like just waiting for the SATs to drop. Waiting, like it looked know. like a mash unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really Crazy times. <laughs> But that was that's that's my normal. Like, yeah, that's, all not, that's, that's all you know. That's all you know. Yeah. That's not crazy. That's like I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Me and Clay were talking the other day because he had a patient that was like a stroke or something non-respiratory mm-hmm. at all. Clay was like, "Okay, I'm really good at respiratory emergencies, but this whole neuro emergency, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <off. laughs> I'm still learning these ones. I gotta like relearn that. But yeah, if you're if all you do is like." watch the sats and listen to lung sounds and like respiratory, respiratory, optimize the respiratory, respiratory. Oh, You're like, yeah. oh yeah, and the brain. There's a, there's a brain too. <laughs> well, a lot of the, you know, nurses that started during COVID, uh, including myself, you know, we got so well trained in respiratory that, you know, you forget, there's a whole lot more to the body than breathing, you know, so. Uh, like my, definitely. One of my first questions at the end of the room is like, have any breathing issues today? terrible though for the nurses that came out of school because you guys had no clinicals like you guys I, did yeah but the ones I that were not. like that first no. year of COVID had no clinicals I mean when I started nursing school I mean your first semester you hit the floor mm-hmm. running in clinicals mm-hmm. so, so I couldn't imagine not having that exposure I got everything up to transition so from transition on was online I did psych online I did my transition clinicals online, which were helpful theoretically, but like far as real world stuff, mm-hmm. a robot don't talk to you like a person does. At least you got your psychic exposure yeah. now. Maybe. Yeah, we got all of that. <laughs> we're good. We got a lot of that. <laughs> so we're about six months out, guys, from the worst of it, um, at least in our part of the globe. How are you guys holding up? Like, what have you done to help you process all this and move forward? Like, what are you doing now? We haven't stopped mm-hmm. traveling. We still travel. We're cautious still. Mm-hmm. Um, spend time with my family. That's what I do. Um, we do a lot of get-togethers with nurses outside of the ICU. Like a lot of us are still close. So we get mm-hmm. together. Um, 
but just take time for yourself. Self-help. Don't keep anything in. And I, I, I've always been one to share my stories with other people when I'm going through it because I don't like to keep anything in. But I definitely keep doing that. Um, don't hold anything in. Yeah, that's one of the problems. That I don't know if it's a problem or not, but like I mentioned, I don't have a lot of close friends who are in healthcare. So like I noticed that anytime we hang out, I have to like make this mental note of like, don't talk about work, you know? <laughs> so I kind of hold it in. I'll talk about something else and then I'll wait till I have those outings with other healthcare friends, healthcare mm-hmm. friends to really just unload. And then besides that, um, kayaking, kayaking and, you know, around our city is great. The springs and everything. So it's just, uh, great mental release so mm-hmm. anything like you on the water or anything oh yeah. yeah oh yeah great for the mind how about you Clayton always on the boat and then, like Danielle yeah. said <laughs> I don't hold anything in if I have an issue I have an hour drive from work so I'll call somebody dad mom fiance I just tell them how my day went there you go. But. I think the overarching theme that you guys are saying is that you haven't just squished it down and moved on You've taken time to talk through it and you've Mm -hmm. given yourself space to like breathe and be outdoors and be with your family. And, um, I know, I I know nurses who have left, left the profession during this. Mm -hmm. Um, the best nurses. I know. Like it wasn't like ones that I questioned if they were going to be a good nurse, like amazing nurses. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, it's really hard to process all this. And so if we don't, I think any of us is, um, it could happen to any of us where we're like, I can't go on. Yeah. So I <clears throat> could just be that one important. patient and that one moment that, that did it for them that we've right. seen a lot of our nurses. Yeah. My first two weeks, I was completely second guessing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was rough. <laughs> seven, seven patients right out of school, mm-hmm. no Very transition, nice. no real great base of knowledge for us. Cause I was a CNA or anything like that before I went straight into nursing and that was, Big, big shell shock. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Definitely like it is on the movies. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Again, I think the overarching theme is just we really had to take time and process uh, what we went awesome. through. Like you said, t- calling family members on the way home and, you know, talking to your wife or talking to your, your friends that are in healthcare. Because mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. just like squish it down and go on with your day, that's, it's unhealthy. Right. It seems in the moment, um, effective like okay I got stuff to do I gotta move on yeah but we have to take time to like go back to it and kind of revisit it and work through it and um you know like you said remind yourself of the wins and not just you know all of the loss and loss 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 loss, Mm -hmm. but like really focusing on the wins to get you through absolutely so final question how has the pandemic changed you as a nurse it made me (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know med surge patients like I, that's new to me right now. The last six months, I'm learning every day. I go to work, consenting patients. I mean, stuff I've never had to do when I started the first first year. Essentially, it's all been COVID related. We're worried about who are we sending to the PCU, ICU, who needs to be upgraded, who needs to be downgraded, what patient can we take, how much oxygen are they on. It's just some of the stuff it's changing because it's normalizing, so to say, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot different. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I think the, the COVID pandemic made me as a nurse, <laughs> for sure. I can tell you that healthcare changes so quick and you better be prepared. Mm-hmm. And you just got to roll with the punches. Um, 
before, you know, I could have been a little resistant to change, as a lot of people are when you, you get in your role and you're just doing your thing. <laughs> then COVID hit and you're like, oh my God, what are we doing? You're paralyzing and proning and getting rotoprone beds and ECMOing patients and you just got to be prepared. <clears throat> it's going to be busy and I've always been an empathetic and compassionate person, so I've always taken the time with my patients and their families. I don't get overwhelmed with all the phone calls because I've been on the other side of the bed with my mom who was on a balloon pump and on pressers and so I know what it's like to be on the other side of the bed. So always take time with the families. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I would I would agree that COVID definitely made me a lot stronger than I thought I could be. Um, it made me realize that uh, I think for a lot of us that if we could get through what we went through the past two years then you know, for the rest of our nursing career, we, we got this, you know, we, we can do it. Um, we, you know, we've, we've seen so much, we've done so much in a short amount of time that it's not natural for a person to see. I mean, let alone a person, you know, in healthcare to see that much what we've seen, but if we've gotten through it and we're still kicking it, I think we can keep going and, you know, see what challenge lays ahead and we'd be fine. That's what Hopefully. we tell most of our nurses is if yeah. you got through COVID, you right. can get through you anything. Can, literally, especially Delta. My goodness, if you. <laughs> I never so. want to see that again. And I no. think it's good that you guys, especially learned early in your career, how to process your career versus like your home life. I feel like I didn't learn that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a new nurse, I was working five shifts a week. I was making money and paying off bills. And yeah. mm-hmm. I just like dove head first into like my whole world was nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of like lost hobbies and like, I was just so focused on like, I love this career so much, mm-hmm. but you guys have learned like, listen, it is unhealthy actually to do that. We have to kind of, you know, do a good job, like you said, Clayton, but also take your days off. Don't be expected to, you know, work every single day. Um, that's good that you learned that. No, COVID showed you don't take any time for granted. Right. right. You cannot mm-hmm. spend the time with your family or loved ones, do fun things, on your days off, I mean, people laugh at me because I'm always going with my kids. But COVID did not always, discriminate. Yeah. It took young, it took middle aged, took old. I think, I, yeah, I think that was the issue with the, mainly with Delta. I keep bringing that up because, like you said, like it wasn't. I mean, all over COVID, it doesn't make it any easier. But you know, okay, if you're elderly, if you have these, you know, comorbidities, you're expected. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this kind of makes sense as to why they're so sick. But when you see pregnant women and yeah, we tell to hit eighteen-year-olds dying, and I'm like, twenties. It's like this doesn't make any sense, and it's not natural. It's not supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to find any kind of justification you can, and when there's none, it's I think that was the hard part. But you know, I think it was hard because we were like, we're not going to stay inside, we're not going to stay sheltered, yeah. and not do anything. Um, so that's why our outlet was the water yeah, most of the time. It was easy and you, secluded, and mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same with us. So the only thing that didn't shut down. Absolutely. Right. Our programs are still open. Oh my God. Rivers can't get COVID, so that's great. Yeah, I know there were times, though, it was it was hard to make that, like, mental shift. Like, I remember I had worked, you know, five twelves, and then that Saturday was my nephew's birthday party. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, like, turn off all of this, like, grief and sadness and trauma that I've just experienced all week and be like, happy birthday! Right. And, like, play with a bunch of little kids and, like... That, that is really hard to do, but like I, you have to. Yeah. Like, you have to find a way to mm-hmm. still enjoy life and not just be so caught up in the, the yeah. hard stuff or your, hard parts of your work can yeah. consume you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as like how it changed me as a nurse, you kind of hit on this, Andy, how we can't predict who's going to get sicker. 
Mm-hmm. I felt like for a while I was like, okay, I've been in this for 18 years. I can kind of tell like oh, this one's gonna make it, this one's not gonna make it. This one's gonna. You can kind of get to where like, yeah. oh yeah, they're gonna do okay. They'll, right. you know, they'll turn the corner. Like based on these lab values and based on this presentation, I can tell they're gonna do better. They're not. Mm-hmm. Man, COVID just was completely humbling. I had no, I had no idea who was going to make it and who was going to pass from the earth. And so. With that in mind, it definitely makes me approach every rapid response with like, this might be this patient's last time speaking to mm-hmm. a human. And this is my last, possibly my last opportunity to get them on the phone with their family. And so, man, I would work so hard to get a hold of the family, to get them on FaceTime, to give them a chance to say something. Even if like, they don't seem quote unquote that sick, you know, their PAO2 is 50 instead of, you know, 40 and 30 or whatever. Yeah. Like, even if, even if my years of experience is, oh, they're, they're going to be okay, I, I am always like, nope, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen to the patient. You never know what's happening internally. I've been a patient recently. This is not COVID. Um, she seemed really good, but she had perfect her gut, and she just mm. she got so sick so fast. And um, I wish I had known that so that I could have, like, got all of her – because now we have visitors – got all her family there to see her before she goes back to the OR. Like, it just definitely made me – reminded me that, that, Sarah, you don't know. You don't mm-hmm. know when your last day is. You know when your patient's mm-hmm. last day is. So every moment, every interaction with the patient, like, make the most of it. You take that phone call for the family. Absolutely. Help facilitate the, the FaceTime. Like, ugh. It's really hard to think about, about all the patients that we lost that they didn't get to say bye to their family. That really weighs heavily on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely made me a better nurse and that moving forward, I'm like, no, we got to get the family on the phone. We're going to ICU. Where's the family? Yep. We gotta, right. I want to make sure that patients get a chance to connect. That's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, friends, thank you so much for sharing your heart today. I know this is hard stuff to rehash and um, we're all trying to pick up and move on, but there's so much healing to come from processing together. And I hope that my listeners feel some sort of solidarity and support and hope knowing that other nurses um, experience just what they did, that we will get through this. <sighs> like we will recover as individuals, as a profession, as a whole. Um, I want to end with a personal thank you to each of you. So Clayton, thank you for always giving me the happy updates. <laughs> like Clayton would say, hey Sarah, go check out the patient of 17. They're down to four little phrasal cannula. I was like, yes. He's <laughs> like, they're doing so much better. Or hey Sarah, remember that guy from 32? He went home yesterday. I was like, really? <gasps> Yes, like it was. I loved whatever Clayton was working because I needed to see patients get better. Or like, um, he, like he said, he'd be wheeling out the, the doorway in the wheelchair. He'd be like Sarah, like pointing at the patient. Look, look, get <laughs> <laughs> better. And that it really gave me so much hope. So um, Clayton, thank you. I, I needed that so much. And Andy, I brought you so many patients. Like. Some shifts, it was like three patients in a row. Like, oh, yeah, and you were such cool. a trooper, and you greeted everyone with confidence <laughs> that like they were going to get better. Yeah. Um, and even though I knew that you knew they often yeah. likely might get worse, um, you would always greet them as like, I'm Andy, I'm going to take good care of you. And I needed to see that. I needed to be reminded that, like, yes, every patient, we're just going to, we're going to hope that they're going to get better. We're going to do everything we can. And Danielle, I gleaned so much strength from you in the pandemic. <laughs> you knew when I needed a hug. You knew when I needed encouragement. Um, you, you knew when I needed a laugh. You just carried so much on your shoulders. And you weren't, it's not like you carried it and didn't let anyone know what you were carrying. You let people know, this is hard. I saw you crying so many different times, but you just, you kept going. And I saw you make the most difficult phone calls and you physically embraced the most challenging families. Um, you advocated for your patients <laughs> and your team. Like, 
when you are so strong and I'm so grateful that I got to lean on you and to learn from you in the pandemic. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you. So each of you fought really hard to make such a difference in the lives of our patients and their families. Um, I will forever remember the season and the people and the trenches with me. So thank you guys for being on my podcast and sharing yeah, your stories. Absolutely. May they bring healing and help uh, pave the way, the path forward. We couldn't have done it without you. Those yeah, patients wouldn't have been where they were All the time without you in training those other rapid response nurses. Mm-hmm. You're a rock star. Really? 100%. Mm-hmm. Thank you for Anytime that I needed you in PC, I mean, five seconds flat, you were there always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, immediately. Um, about that patient. Without hesitation to do what you needed to do to get them situated and where they needed to be. Totally. Well, it was a team effort, guys. We, were... we got a rock star sure. team. Almost together. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. I really enjoyed recording the episode with these amazing nurses. I'm just so grateful to have had such a solid solid team during this pandemic. We really bonded during that season. I think the combination of the unpredictability of our shifts and the reoccurring exposure to death and dying and grief and loss, along with the increased workload, resulted in us having to learn to lean on each other more than ever. I just wanted to take a minute to highlight a few things from our discussion. First, each of these nurses played a vital role in fighting COVID. Contrary to popular belief, super sick patients, COVID patients, were not just in the ICU. Me and Clayton and Andy ran our fair share of respiratory arrest and intubations. Even though Clayton probably got to see more patients go home than Danielle did from the ICU, I imagine he held the hands of just as many dying patients. You heard him say that his first week off orientation, five out of seven of his patients were actively dying. Not all COVID patients opted for intubation. And the ones that didn't, we would ensure that they were as comfortable as possible and provide dignity when they were dying. Losing a patient after an hour of CPR is hard, but honoring a patient's wishes and letting them pass peacefully is hard too. That is probably not what he had in mind when he signed up for nursing school. You know, we tried to spare y'all the bulk of the doom and gloom and the details about how many body bags we had to zip up, but I just wanted to make it clear that all of us dealt with death. There was no battlefield harder than others. Everyone was fighting hard for their patients to recover. Even though I only highlighted the med surge, PCU, and ICU COVID nurses, there were labor and delivery and postpartum nurses, outpatient nurses, nursing home nurses, prison nurses, hospice nurses, and many, many more who saw firsthand the effects of COVID. Not to mention our respiratory therapist colleagues who really felt the brunt of this. Their expertise was needed more than ever, and they were spread so thin. They were there for every intubation, for every bronchoscopy, for every proning. They were in the trenches with us, and they need to be recognized for their valuable contribution to this pandemic. And even the nurses that didn't work on the COVID floors had to absorb higher acuity patients and deal with higher census and more challenging staffing. This was a challenging time for all healthcare workers, and everyone played an important role in getting us through this. The next thing I wanted to point out is that we felt it all. Each of us allowed ourselves to feel it all. Sometimes in the moment, I had to suck it up and keep going because there were more patients that needed my care, and there was just no time to sit there and wallow in tears. But eventually, we had to take time and process what we were seeing every day. 
I know a lot of nurses who, after repeated losses, kind of put up a wall in efforts to protect themselves and maintain their mental health. And I get it. It hurts to lose a patient when you've worked so hard to save them. But that wall, it just gets you through for a little while. Eventually, it will crumble. It will crumble onto the weight and you'll either snap or, or just feel like it's too much to keep going. So my encouragement to nurses and really anyone is take time to feel it. Give yourself space to work through the hard emotions, the sad moments, the regrets, the mistakes, all of it. And for my fellow nurses, we need each other to process. No one understands the challenges of being a nurse like another nurse. So make time to talk about the hard stuff and celebrate the wins together. And finally, take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Most of us went into nursing because we are naturally inclined to help. We want to fix. We want to support. We may even have tendencies to sacrifice our own health and well-being if we think it will help someone else. But that comes at a cost, too. I have seen some of the best nurses burn out and leave the profession altogether. So let's talk about how important it is for us to take care of ourselves so that we can take the best care of our patients. Think about your capacity to care for others like a cup. When a cup is full, you actually have something to give. You have compassion and kindness and generosity and patience. And when the cup is empty, you are tired and unmotivated and get easily annoyed and have limited patience. So the question is, what fills your cup? If all you're doing is pouring out, giving all you have to your patients, your spouse, your children, and you never participate in activities that fill your cup, you will run dry. And running on empty burns up the engine. Take a moment to think about the things that fill your cup. What gives you life? What rejuvenates you? What, what makes for a good day for you? I actually made a list for myself years ago, and I try to fit those things into my month to ensure that my cup stays full. So I'm giving back to my patients and my family from a place of fullness, not scraping the bottom of the barrel. Here are some of the things on my list. Adventuring with my family, dancing with my husband, cooking, crocheting, sitting in a hammock, catching up with my sister, getting boba tea with my bestie, prayer and journaling, being by any body of water, margaritas and chips and queso, holding babies, singing at the top of my lungs with the windows down, snuggling with my kiddos, the list goes on and on. Andy likes to kayak, Danielle and Clayton like to fish. We all have our things. When I find myself feeling like I'm running on empty, that's when I know I've been pouring out more than I've been filling up. And it's time to get out my list and go spend my time doing something that will fill my cup. So nurses, if you are working so much overtime that you don't have time for cup filling activities, I'm sorry to tell you, but it will catch up with you. Please give yourself a break and take some time off. If you find yourself spending all of your days off and any downtime just scrolling social media or binging movies or TV, that is a symptom, not a solution to how tired you are. Get out your list and do something life-giving. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your patients. They need you to be on your A game, bringing your best self to the bedside with every bit of compassion and hope and diligence that is required to do the job well. Take the time to fill up 
so you don't run dry pouring out to your patients. Remember that spark that made you want to go to nursing in the first place? Whatever that is that excites you about the role of the nurse, hold on to that and find ways to do it amidst all the other tasks that aren't so life-giving in your everyday role as a nurse. You owe that to yourself and you owe it to your patients. So in conclusion, COVID sucks. It has cost us so much as a profession, but it also left us with some special memories that we will hold on to forever. When I look back at this time, I will always remember my team and the people in the trenches with me because we fought well and hard for our patients. But we are human too, and we have our limits. The only way to get through the challenging shifts are to support each other and to take time to tend to our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. I think our path forward as a profession is to band together and to prioritize caring for each other and ourselves as much as we care for our patients. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email with questions or comments, and it would mean so much if you could take a moment to write a review on iTunes, as this helps more listeners find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport, so trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. You've been listening to the Rapid Response RN podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing, and your patient's care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponsermpodcast at gmail.com or on the Rapid Response RM Podcast Facebook page, as well as the podcast website, rapidresponserm.com.